Okay, Kyle, so as you've noticed, we've been calling our fans Hoff fans. Love it. But there's been a debate rumbling in the Hoff fan universe. Should Hoff fans be Dustin Hoffman fans or Philip Seymour Hoffman fans? You know where the vote of this podcast goes. Yes, of course. But just as a little uh, challenge to you, I'm going to name you some movie characters, and you're going to tell me whether that's a Phil Hoffman character or a Dustin Hoffman character. Oh, come on. You ready for this? It's like... Should be pitch, easy for you. It's like pitching to a healthy play. Lou Gehrig. <laughs> okay. Lancaster Dodd. Philip. Good. <laughs> Freddie Miles. Freddie Miles. Phil. Can you name the film? <clears throat> the Talented like, Mr. Ripley. Talented. Uh, but that's not the contest, okay, so you're okay, not being yeah. counted against it. Ben Braddock. Dustin. Yes, from The Graduate. From The Graduate, yeah. Art Howe. Art Howe. That's... Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Moneyball. Yeah, Moneyball. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's a real person. What Raymond Babbitt. Raymond Babbitt. Dustin. Yes, Rain Man. Yeah. Bernie Falker. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> Dustin. Gus, I um, might be pronouncing this wrong, but you got it already. Yeah, Gus it's, it's Avocados. Fr- yeah, exactly. It's Philip from uh, Charlie Wilson's Char- War. Yeah, Charlie Wilson's War. Carl Bernstein. Carl Bernstein. Dustin? Yes, from All the President's Men. Ah, a real yeah, guy, yeah. real journalist. Dorothy Michaels. Dorothy Michaels? Yes. Oh, duh. Okay, Dustin from... Uh, Tootsie. Tootsie, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, Sandy Lyle. Oh, well, oh, come on. <laughs> Phil from uh, Long Came Polly. Yep, you pass, so you can officially declare who Hoff fans are. Hoff fans are clearly for Philip Seymour Hoffman because I'm not trying to take anything away from the great Dustin Hoffman, but Philip Seymour Hoffman, like, a lot more memorable characters. Wow. Challenge issued. Yeah. You guys on the Dustin Hoffman podcast that we're not sure exists or not. (laughs) Challenge issued. Feel free to challenge back. My favorite Dustin Hoffman role, Hook. I know. I couldn't say Captain Hook here. (laughs) I mean, that's too obvious. Yeah. Could have said James Hook. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Iggy Pop! Amen! Let it rock! I'm a fucking idiot! Red meat, we crave sustenance! I'm an artist. Hello, my name is Jimmy Cody. Why don't you have some fun? Fun! Fun! Tommy, that's a pain thing. Whoever she is, I'm gonna find her and I'm gonna hurt her. I've spent the past three years learning Finnish! <laughs> I'm always home, I'm on cool. This is a process of dehumanization. Shut, 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 shut up! Hey, Hoff fans, and welcome to this week's edition of the PSI Love Hoffman podcast, our love letter to the remarkable career of the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman. I'm Brian Rodriguez. And I'm Kyle Reinfried. We're always home, we're always uncool, and we're always ready to talk great movies. This week we get our first collaboration between Philip Seymour Hoffman and Kyle, one of your favorites, Paul Thomas Anderson. Man, this is this is definitely like one of the ones I was really looking forward to because, as you just said, this begins it all. Like some of his greatest performances come through the collaboration with P.T. Anderson. And it's not that I'm not a P.T. Anderson guy because I really like P.T. Anderson too, but you're a P.T. Anderson guy. Yeah, I like a loyalist. He's one of your inspirations. Oh, definitely. Like I saw Boogie Nights. Not like I mean, so it came out in '97, but I saw Boogie Nights probably in 2004 and I just like fell in love with it. It just has every <laughs> I mean this and this is, episode isn't about Boogie Nights. Yes, yes. Today's episode FYI is yeah. about Hard Eight, Hard Eight, a film that was before Boogie Nights. Yes, but like Boogie Nights drew me in and then Hard Eight was 
hard to find. Like at that Especially at that, that time, time yeah. online shopping wasn't you know big or whatever. <laughs> but now you know like you can find it and purchase Maybe it online. Maybe not big for you, but big for those into AOL keywords and such. <laughs> but uh, yeah, now you can find it on Amazon, on YouTube, on iTunes, yeah. and so it's uh, such a good film. How many? Uh... I always forget this. How many films did they end up doing together? They've got Heart Eight, Boogie Nights, uh, Magnolia, and then cut to oh, then Punch yeah, Punch on Love, and then cut to The Master. The Master. So, I just named them as a five. I was <laughs> I, I was, I was doing fingers, yeah. but uh, <laughs> when you kept throwing yeah. up the same Heart, fingers, Heart kind eight. Of. yeah, <laughs> Heart Eight, Boogie Nights, uh, Magnolia, Punch on Love, The Master. Yeah, five. Five. Okay, that's what I thought. Five. So yeah, five. Yeah, five films. Yeah, I mean, and it's a legendary collaboration, obviously, with the roles kind of expanding. Oh, it's up there with those direct. I mean, P.T. Anderson, admittedly so, like, Scorsese is one of his biggest influences, so it's up there with his collaborations with, like, De Niro and Pesci and DiCaprio, so, and Keitel. So this film, uh, Heart Eight, was originally a short film. Yeah. Had you ever seen the short film? I then saw the short, again, like, later on, like, when it was yeah, able, I had it. like, you know, because it originally showed at Sundance back in, like, 92 or 93, 94, early 90s. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I still have never been to Sundance. Yeah, that's called Cigarettes and Coffee, not to be confused later on with the film Coffee and Cigarettes by Jim Jarmusch. That's always a big big confusion. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, obviously the title was changed here. But before we get into it some more, why don't you tell our audience what Heart 8 is about? Part 8 is about Sidney, played by Phil Baker Hall, a veteran of the casino scene, and he finds John, played by John C. Riley, a young man down on his luck, and decides to take him under his wing. They become partners in earning money from casinos and build a strong relationship, but John's lack of common sense goes from problematic to dangerous when he falls in love with Clementine, played by Gwyneth Paltrow. And she's a local cocktail waitress who doesn't exactly shy away from turning down tricks for some extra cash. <laughs> no, she does not. So this is one of those rare films that's it's 83% on Rotten Tomatoes, mm-hmm. both by critics and it's by a the tie. audience. Like yeah, it's, it's a, a tie. I'm sorry, or it's this. Yeah, it's the same number. This consensus between audience wow. and critics. Okay, that's pretty. That's good. Would you rank it higher as a P.T. Anderson fan? Obviously, he gets stronger and. Um. No, that, I mean that's that's like that's very fair score. It's favorable. I mean, yeah, it, no, it's, it's a it's a real. I'm surprised, especially for a first I, feature. Yeah, oh yeah, but I'm I'm surprised that so it's critics and then the other ones just called audience, oh, just yeah, audience. Just okay, like, yeah, people's opinion. Like I always want to say consumer, <laughs> <laughs> but the audience. I'm surprised by 83 by audience more than like I I get critics like have the you know like I think a lot of that comes from his later following and then later understanding. Yeah, and work. then just like the cult following exactly, of like people exactly. reviewing. Yeah, that makes sense. It's a little. It, some of the story is a little bit weak, but mind you, I mean, so there's three versions of this film. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about that. Oh, first of all, I mean, obviously you've seen it. I just want to be clear. I've seen this film, but I saw it like a while ago. Uh-huh. I wasn't really paying attention the first time I saw it. So yeah. I consider this my first like conscious viewing of the film. Gotcha. And yeah, like, I've probably seen it. this film like, the, including watching it for this episode. Five times. Like you said, there's three versions. So what version... Did we watch the same version? Yes, we watched the same... There's only one version out there for like everyone to uh, see. Oh, okay, okay. And that is the final P.T. Anderson-funded cut. So 
first there was a cut. All right, so he well he had a really big problem with the production company. It was Reisner Productions, like Paul Reisner. No, it's like R Y S N E R. Oh man, <laughs> we had Helen Hunt last week. I was hoping we'd get like a mad about you, Paul, you. Paul Reisner this week, but no. We get Hank Azaria later on. In, oh yeah, uh, wow. Poly. <laughs> Too bad. Yeah, so three versions had a really big problem with the production company. They just like looked at this and went, this is too artsy. He had like a, he's P.T. Anderson. Later on we find out this guy makes, you know, like longer films. Yes. And so this, he had like a two and a half hour cut or something like that. Maybe even like a three hour, but I think it was like around two and a half hours. And they were like, no, 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 no. And at first they just like took it all and started making like their complete own cut, like different music, like everything like that. But he was able to get that version and he sent it to Cannes Film Festival it was really received well there, so I think they kind of warmed up to letting him do his own thing. But they're like, you have to, you have to do something. So he trimmed it down to the, I think it was like an hour and forty-five minutes. Yeah, it wasn't long. So he trimmed it down to that, and then the big, the biggest thing. So this is the like he did it, and so every cut that is in it, like you know, he decided. But the one thing they wouldn't move on was he wanted to name this movie Sydney after the title character, but they were like, oh, people will just think it's a film about like Australia or something. <laughs> and so they wanted Hard Eight. I kind of like that title, though. I like it, too, because it's not, it's not like the film is dependent like on the role of the Hard Eight, but it's in, hey, it's in the scene with our main man. I, I was going to say, it's in my well, it's favorite kind, scene of the film. So it kind of <laughs> honors Philip Seymour Hoffman in a way, so I, I actually I like it. What genre would you say this film is? It's a, uh, I mean, it's drama, but there's like a crime, you know, because it listens noir it has, like, feel to noir, it. And, and I get that feel. Yeah, I get that feel. It has kind of that. It's not my favorite genre, to be honest with you, mm. but it's still, it's cool. It's cool when we see it, right? I, yeah, I mean, all of his films, P.T. Anderson, he makes, you know, the, they're about like dysfunctional desperate people so that's like an overlaying like theme true, true. in all of his films okay so the star of this film not Philip Seymour Hoffman unfortunately but John C. Riley, who he... John C. Riley, yes yeah oh and Philip Baker Hall yeah. I would say Philip Baker yeah, Hall I'm sorry. is like yeah, the yeah. main star yeah especially because what is with, with the, the triple movie. names I guess C oh, is yeah. not a middle name that is uh, yeah definitely <laughs> there's a lot of like triple names I guess in this. Paul Thomas Anderson yeah we got Paul that. Thomas Anderson Philip Baker Hall John C. Riley, Samuel L. Jackson like true awesome so where do you know philip baker hall from besides this film um i mean his other role like definitely boogie nights that was like another one boogie I nights of in. course I, then, I i i wrote down like where do i know this guy from mm-hmm. one of them was seinfeld he famously played like this library cop okay Terry Town yeah for the book he's in rush hour i think he's like one of the head detectives. oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah zodiac one of your favorite films yes and another favorite film of yours and i've dying to work this film into the podcast i haven't seen it though being more of a wwe fan than you i should have seen this film and it's bending the rules with edge and jamie kennedy yep <laughs> one of your guilty pleasure favorites or maybe you're not guilty about it at all i don't know no i love that movie is he in the film like do you remember that it's like it was listed top. on his imdb yeah he's just like an older like I think cop. He plays cops a yeah. lot. He's not a cop here, but he plays cops. No, a lot. but like cop detective, like dick. <laughs> <laughs> he has that authority figure uh, thing about him, but again, like, like you said, not like straight lace authority figure. Mm-hmm. 
P.T. Anderson really noticed him in this movie where he played Nixon, actually. It's called Secret Honor, so I'm, I need to see that still. Cause, yeah, uh, I, I haven't I'll, seen that one. I you know I like that, the political films. Yeah, any movie that P.T. Anderson so loves, I'm totally, you know, I'll go see that. That's cool. And, and to be clear, he's in the original short, correct? Yeah. That, uh, it's amazing how P.T. Anderson, like, I guess out of film school, right, like, was able to get a known actor in a short Yeah, film. he was in, like, NYU for like not long at all and dropped out and then decided to uh, take like that money and make the short film. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. One of the more famous NYU dropouts. Yeah. What are some, what are some others? No, I mean, I I don't know. Oh, okay. (laughs) No, I wasn't going to do like a list here, but it's funny. You always hear about these college dropouts who make it not advocating that you drop out of school guys. No, stay in school. (laughs) But sometimes, you know, sometimes it works out. Yeah. I guess if you got it's that, not it's not a hard and fast rule. If you got that genius level, I guess so. But I mean, it's just awesome. Again, so we said this on the Scent of a Woman episode, but that was the movie that P.T. Anderson saw that he went like, "I need to work with Philip, this actor who is Philip Seymour Hoffman." And so, cut to like the first time he gets his first feature, he finds him, and the day they met was the day that he shot that scene. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. And I love, he just had this, like, uh, great quote. He's like, I wrote I wrote with Phil in mind, just a loudmouth, obnoxious asshole. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, defi- we'll definitely dissect this that scene. Yes. Um, you mentioned John C. Riley's in this film. Yeah, who he collaborated with two more times. Yeah. He, he's great. I, I'm a big John C. Riley guy. Yeah. I know you are, too. Yeah. Even, even going to, like, Dewey Cox and stuff. Well, he's one of those actors that really, he finds that great balance between drama and comedy. Yeah, I really like him as Cal Naughton Jr. Talladega <laughs> Nights. But even look, like he's in he's in a Scorsese films. He's in Yeah. This is like a I, I'm a big John C. Riley. You you love Perfect Storm, right? Perfect Storm, yes. The big dumb ducks. <laughs> that actually has like a really good cast. Yeah, it's it does. Got, it's got John Hawks in it. It was a great Film, okay, hear me out. It was a great film <laughs> for that time period. Yeah. That's a cool, like, film you watch on, like, pay-per-view or, or rent a blockbuster. So while the film is short for P.T. Anderson standards, you know, an hour 40 or something like that, it's kind of uh, brief in terms of the story, right? Besides for that beginning flashback, how how uh, how many days does this take place well, yeah, so you, then it says cut to two years later, then it takes place over, I think, two, three days? Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. So this flashback we're returning to is actually the opening of the movie. Yes. It's kind of important. They open in this coffee shop. At Jack's Coffee Shop. Jack's Coffee Shop. And Philip Baker Hall, as Sidney uh, walks by John C. Riley, and he invites him in for breakfast? Yeah, I love it. It's just like this great shot that we come (laughs) up and it's totally like uh, John C. Riley is like squatted, like sitting uh, by the entranceway of this diner and we just hear Philip Baker Hall's voice and he invites John C. Riley in for, you know, coffee and a cigarette. Yeah, which again was Nice little homage to the short film. Pretty much he's just, I don't know if he gives these like little lessons to him, you know, like his like advice he finds out that John C. Riley needs $6,000 to bury his mom. 
And John C. Riley's character is named John, so that's easy. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of those. That's that should be a category sometime. Like name the top movie, <laughs> movie characters that share the same name as their actors. I love this scene because, again, so we've got another big director, and actually, rest in peace, he just passed Jonathan Demme. And he does, and Jonathan Demme was really known for, like, his close-ups. He just, just captures these beautiful, you know, like... Opposite Woody Allen. Yeah, exactly. This scene, it just, because it just makes you... I mean, number one, they're just interesting people to look at, especially John C. Riley. He has, like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the man doesn't age, actually. He looks... No, he's got, like, this goofy... Cro-Magnon man look, too. <laughs> <laughs> that far, but just, like, goofy and and funny and insecure. And he's, got, he's got that voice. He always looks insecure. Yeah. And, which is awesome. Yeah, it just it just pulls you... I, I mean, it just tells you a lot. It just shows you these characters. It shows you their vulnerability and like what and what they want to do and what Philip Baker Hall or what Sydney really wants to do is help John but he's only going to give him like you know Yeah, we don't really know why. Yeah. But and he, he like you said he gives him like a little seed money. I like there's one line that I wrote down that I wanted to discuss. John C. Riley says, "I know three types of karate." <laughs> I wrote down the same line, yeah. <laughs> Jiu-jitsu, Aikido, and regular, regular karate. karate. Oh, and then he does that classic film bit. And I know it's tired and I know it's old, but I love it every time. One jujitsu, two Aikido, and C, regular karate. <laughs> I, knew, I don't know if I caught, caught that. Yeah, you know, like, we see that even Home Alone, like, Buzz does it. But I, I'm sorry. It probably goes back to the Marx Brothers or something. Yeah, there's some, like, Three Stooges, <laughs> Marx Brothers kind of thing. So they drive out to Nevada. Mm-hmm. Did you really understand this, like, what he was doing? I know he like he gives him fifty dollars and he's teaching him like a kind of a casino scam to get more money. Yeah, I didn't really understand how it worked. Did you? Uh, With the rate card and yeah, I mean like I, I'm I never like I don't I don't gamble enough. I don't know enough about games, but I guess it's not even about that. It's just this whole thing that I think they would pick up on like a lot more now just because oh, of like, sure. computer systems even still like with this movie yeah i'm sure some dumbass tried this yeah well no <laughs> but that's the whole thing so pt anderson this is like based off a little bit of like what he used to go out to uh reno and he did this oh really and yeah. it worked yeah wow that's pretty cool yeah so like he took that like you know real life experience well, if you haven't noticed, guys, we're definitely leaning on Kyle in this podcast a lot, being a P.T. Anderson fan. Yeah, just, you know. That, that, I, did, I knew some cool. stuff, but I also did, I mean, I did my homework, and but I just find everything he does, like, fascinating. So he basically turns $50 into what becomes... Ends up being, like, 2000 on the card at the end of the day. Yeah, and it's it's partially... It's the way, sorry, it's the way to gaining uh, money to bury his mother, and then later establishing himself somewhat. Yeah, I mean, but also I want to say along the, before even this stuff, on the drive, he just has, it's just a classic, great, like, quick little scene that P.T. Anderson does in a lot of movies, and John tells this story of, like, why he doesn't like matches. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's just that really, and John C. Riley does, he just has, like, impeccable comedic timing. So you like this overall opening with the drive and, yeah, the, it's and just, the, the matches it, thing. And... I think so far this is, like, extremely strong, strong writing and character building. Quick question, and I wrote this in my notes. What is any aspect of the short film in this film? or just... Besides the fact that, like, it's opens in the diner and they're having co- and he wants to offer him coffee and cigarettes like not really okay but it's sydney is sydney in in both 
Sydney, no? he never gets a name in. But we're assuming he's the same character, or is it just like completely like taking the story in a different? No, it's no, it's a very, it's a very similar character. Okay, it might okay. not be the same like story curious. would have happened, fig- but I it's, figured a, it's an extremely similar character. Yeah. So basically, the rest of the movie, like you said, takes place over a couple of days. We get a flash forward to two years later. Yeah, exactly. Like pretty much, Sydney explains to him that you know he get he gets that comp to a room and he's just like you can't win like six thousand dollars like that it's it's you know it's almost like this is like a job of how to make some money at like a casino but yeah like you said like cut to two years later and they're in reno which i have only driven through have you been to reno no i've not been to reno reno 911 i've seen yeah but so. that's my exposure to <laughs> reno right off the bat we're kind of introduced to our two other i guess we can call them leads or or primary characters. Yeah. Which uh, Sydney's playing Kino, one of my favorite games. I know I'm corny. And we're introduced to Gwyneth Paltrow's character, Clementine. Clementine. And I love how she calls him Captain. Captain. Yeah, yeah, that's really awesome. It's like nothing like he's just like, why do you call me Captain? Just, <laughs> you look like a captain, you feel like a captain, and uh, like the way John I, follows you around. And I get it. I get it. Uh, we also meet, well, do we see John again? Yes. And then we meet, uh, I guess, his partner, Sam Jackson. Yeah, Jimmy. Well, Jimmy, yes. Yeah. And Jimmy remembers Sid from Vegas. I just love that line. And come on, we get this is like an early Samuel Jackson role and he's awesome in it. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't it doesn't feel like an early role, it just feels like a vintage Samuel Jackson role like in his prime, which again might be early. I don't know. But Yeah, I mean so this is post Pulp Fiction. But it's it's got a Pulp Fiction vibe. Sam Jackson gives, like, great exposition, but he gives, like, this is, like, a great little, like, story. I mean, this is, I mean, again, P.T. Anderson, this is called, like, he falls into it. They're called the Video Store Generation, which, come on, that's, like, a really cool Yeah, that is cool. So that's, like, Kevin (laughs) Smith, Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez. I I love that Video Store Generation. P.T. Anderson. So uh, how would you describe Samuel L. Jackson's character? We don't really know much about him. Yet. No, but he's just a pretty high opinion of himself. Got a loud mouth, something that Sydney clearly doesn't like. Like no. we learned about Sydney right away. He's an old timer. He's got these rules. He is a gentleman, and Samuel Jackson is just pretty much like the opposite of what Sydney is. Yeah, yeah, and we definitely see that later. Night goes on, and Sid bumps into Clementine. Mm-hmm. Hooking, I guess. Yeah, so he she, he sees he's outside having a cigarette. He sees Clementine like leaving a room, and pretty much he I love it like he offers to get her a coffee cigarette. But then I I was like ooh he's even more like warming to her than John because he also there's a pie on the table. So <laughs> I, I took note of that. Nice. You're always <laughs> noticing your your food on the table. That's really yes. Right. He tells her the story of meeting John. And we also learn that Sydney doesn't talk to his kids. So right away, we kind of see him becoming... He's already a father figure to John, and he's already bringing in... Clementine makes the comment of, like, that his daughter's around, like, the same age. So almost like John and Clementine are now his, like, adoptive kids. So I didn't, like, remember this part. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was getting creepy for me. It was, like, resolved, okay? Because he, he's kind of acting like a father figure yeah but then it looks like he's like buying her services for lack of a better word yeah he like i mean he brings her back to uh you know the suite or whatever and so there's also a very important thing that the movie begins and then also this music plays again and uh it's this 
just like instrumental music by writer uh, composer John Bryan and he also uses this music in Boogie Nights and it's got this very like chilling notes to it it's like uses like bells and stuff like that and it just makes you always think like something really bad is gonna happen yeah and so like you were saying like you're like oh my god is Sydney actually like are we gonna learn like he is like a flawed person like is he yeah like, I was like oh he... no don't do it don't, yeah, don't do, do it. it and no like I mean she says like Captain do you want to fuck me and I'm like Ugh! oh but no Captain or Sydney stays literally he wants to help Clementine yeah he wants to help her and it's related to his wanting to help John as well he yeah he's well yeah thing. well he's totally like setting John up because he leaves her in like John's room and says like oh John can stay on the couch <laughs> I want to step back for a moment and talk about Gwyneth Paltrow. Mm-hmm. She's, I feel like she's one of the more hated actors now. Yeah. Uh, I think it's more like her personal life. And stuff. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, she's one of those actors. I mean, so she won like an Oscar like right around this time for, for Shakespeare and Shakespeare Love. Shakespeare and Love, right? Like, why did that win over Brian yeah. Ryan kind of thing? And, like, yeah. People actually loved that movie then. And it's like, honestly, like it does get shit on a little too much. Like, it's a pretty good romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. If not like a great romantic comedy, but best picture again, yeah, over Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, but her, I mean, she was kind of in. This is like her prime here, and she'll later collaborate with Philip Seymour Hoffman a little bit more directly in Talented Mr. Ripley. Yes, they don't share a scene in this film. No, but, I mean, I guess it's cool. Like they're both kind of having a moment. Her more than him, certainly. Yeah, I mean, she her career started out with like much more of a bang than his. Yeah, for sure, for sure. His is like a slow build. Yeah, his goes from like a simmer to like a you know boil. Hers kind of is just like a wave file. <laughs> <laughs> how do you but, th- how do you think uh, she did in this film? I loved her in this film. She plays. I mean, like I didn't love her character. She definitely falls into like that. She's the one that like screws things up and's like, "What are you doing this for? Like, why are you?" I mean, John C. Riley, like I said in the description of this movie, he is not the brightest guy yeah. and goes down like the wrong path, and he should be his own man. Be like, "No, that's not a good idea." But she definitely just makes horrible decisions when she already has someone like Sydney that's like looking after her. Yeah, I, I, again, it's like, like I said, I think she gets shit on, but there are certain roles that she does really well in. I, I think she kind of does, I don't want to say stand out, but yeah. she does pretty well with this role. That is a compelling role of just like this local cocktail waitress, and we see how like, you know, Jimmy Sam Jackson's character is, you know, rude, and like when she's walking away, he, you know, says something along the lines of like she's got a great pussy you know? <laughs> I mean not right but that, but those words always sound amazing coming out of Sam Jackson's mouth <laughs> better than coming out of your mouth I'll tell you that much yes <laughs> but um she she made me feel for her there are plenty of people who have played prostitutes in films uh-huh. but I, I I felt for her and it wasn't just in like the Julia Roberts kind of feel for her <laughs> yeah, well, no, that, she, she's, that's she's ridiculous yeah, she, this seems realistic yeah, yeah realistically I yeah. felt for her so, what, after this, like, it's a very, I mean, well, it is one of the, sh- like, shorter P.T. Anderson movies, but just in general, it has, like, a really good pace to it, because then after that, we find John in the room with Clementine in the morning, and they're just talking, and Sydney is walks in, and he's <laughs> kind of playing Cupid, and he wants John to take her out and take her to the mall and take her shopping. Yeah, he says to the mall, I yeah. love it. <laughs> and then, uh, 
we get to our main man. Yeah, 40 minutes in. Believe it or not, we're 40 minutes into this film, and... What an amazing scene it is. So, again... Okay, Kyle, set it up for us here. So, yeah, it's... He wrote this role specifically for Philip Seymour Hoffman. He had, I'm sure, after Son of a Woman, he saw him in a few other roles, but that was something that he saw it and inspired him as far as an isn't actor. It, isn't it so awesome to be able to be, like, a young filmmaker and be like, I want to work with that guy? Yeah. And just get him. And he, yeah. Awesome. That was, like, the day they shot this scene, that's the day, like, he, you know, he met him. <laughs> I love it because, so we just covered Twister last week. He totally has the same, like, Twister hair because, well, this is, like, I mean, we decided to have this episode after Twister. Yeah, we could have done it before. It was, because it was released in theaters after Twister. But wide it, release, especially. Wide release. But it was in, like, I think some smaller art house and then was in uh, festivals. Festivals. And I, it might have been, like, one of those releases in just like New York and LA. Yeah. But the wide release again, and it wasn't an incredibly wide release here. Yeah. But the wide release was after Twister. It was February of ninety seven versus, you know, technically in like ninety six when Twister yeah, Twister came out. That was just a Yeah, so this is around the time that yeah. at least the first people are starting to really recognize. So he still like had the dusty kind of look. <laughs> because he does. he does play like a good like midwestern, western kind of guy in this uh in this role. But you know what, how about we play it and we talk about it yeah uh, it might be a long one guys but trust me it's worth it yeah it's so it's perfect come on old time you gonna join us here my friend come on i don't wait for old people i don't wait for old people <laughs> all right here we go let's see those here we go it is easy eight run on a point of eight better back hard Okay, I'm gonna light a cigarette now, old timer. See, the thing is, I like you, and I'm gonna light a cigarette, and I'm gonna let you have this time to place your bet before I finish lighting this cigarette. And then when I finish lighting, I'm just gonna roll and fuck you. <laughs> You're laughing at that? I just said fuck you to the man. Jesus Christ. The way you look, I think you know what I'm saying, old timer. I think you do. Jesus Christ, why don't you have some fun? Fun, fun. <laughs> All right, shaka laka doo, shaka laka dooby dooby doo, shaka laka doo. You got a little bit more there, coming in there, baby. Shaka laka doo, baby. I'm almost lighting it, baby. I'm gonna light the cigarette, old timer. What are you gonna do? Two thousand dollar heart aid. Two thousand dollar heart aid's a bet. The fuck. <laughs> oh man, you play that game, don't you? Oh shit! <laughs> You're big time. You are big time. <laughs> oh, card eight. Oh, okay. Here we go. All right, here we go. All right. This is for you, big time. All right, I'm not even looking. Here we go. Hey, six. Hard six. Hard six? That's a hard six, old timer. That's not bad for me. That's not bad for me, is it, sister? It is sister Sledge. <laughs> there we go. It's me and you. You know what I'm saying? For fucking hundred. Party! Hundred. Me and you, big time. Me and you. You can buy yourself another suit with this roll. Forty-four. Fucking forty-four, big time. Two thousand. 
So to be clear, this is his only um, scene in the film. Yeah, you know what? Like, I mean, well, I, I just want to say since this is clearly like, I mean, we we really don't hear like Philip Baker Hall like, talk in this scene, but it's clearly I just love it. They're both on separate sides of. I don't play. Did you play craps? I've dabbled. I don't really know. I've watched much of how much it, of a craps. I've watched many friends lose a lot of money. In really? Yes. Yeah. I'm a I'm a blackjack. I love that they say don't play blackjack. Cards. <laughs> I always play blackjack. And you know, uh, I'm a sports gambling kind of guy. Yeah, <laughs> not not here when I'm in Vegas. I love it. They're standing on opposite sides of the table, and come on, like I just he's just taunting him this whole time, but it's like <laughs> in fun, and I just love how even like so he's playing this character, but this character is almost playing this character because at the end he breaks down. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's just great. I mean, you could isolate so many lines here. I mean, we even use one of the lines in our intro. Come on, why don't you have some fun? Fun, fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great. So we've reviewed a lot of films that where he's only in one scene or he's in one of two scenes, mm-hmm. and it's really disappointed us. This doesn't disappoint me because, for lack of a better word, it's just awesome to me. I wish. I mean, I wish we got more of this character. Oh, of course, but it's not as bad as uh, when a man was a woman and we see him for two lines or. Yeah, I'm very curious because Philip Baker Hall said that Philip Seymour Hoffman mostly improvised all of his scenes. Mm, scenes. Scenes ending with an S. Yes. Oh, that's, so that's interesting. I'm curious if in this long version that played at Cannes Film, Cannes Cons, we could go into that whole debate, <laughs> whatever you call that festival. But The one in France. The one in France. And <laughs> France, France. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, I'm very curious if he just happened to have another scene. Because I read, like, there was an alternate ending for this movie, and there was a character that we haven't met yet in the film, but he is revisited. So I'm mm. just like this one scene with him. While it is a tre- tremendous scene. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, it's one scene, but I'm satisfied. Whereas in other films we've seen so far... He's had like one or two lines, and it's just like, uh, yeah, like, I mean, like when a man loves a woman, like for example, yeah, or sucks. his first role of triple bogey. Triple you know? bogey. It's one scene, and I know he's the focus. Yeah, but it's not the same as this. Like he's the focus, and no, this. he is taking all of his craft. Yeah, it's a visual Everything scene. He's learned. It's an so audio far scene. As an actor. It, it it's it's a beautiful scene, and I guys, you should definitely, if you don't watch the full film. Which please do, but if you don't watch a full film, just check out the scene on YouTube. Yeah, most of the times. Well, no, actually, you, like this, there will be 
you just listen to a very clean audio recording because I grab clips from YouTube and put them in. But unfortunately for movies like The Yearling <laughs> and even uh, When a Man Loves a Woman, Hard I to have find to ones. yeah, I have to like record via just like my computer speakers or something or inboard computer microphones. But this is a movie that like you can easily watch and you can easily watch yeah i rented it on amazon do you own this movie um i do on dvd yeah okay so i mean this this is an easy one to get i don't think they put it on blu-ray yet not all pt anderson's Mm, oh really i didn't know that regardless just youtube it because again it's so visual um just like the dice hitting the table and stuff like that even the way he's dressed yeah, I'm kind of obsessed with his wardrobe in these films. Well, you've said prior that he's yeah, he I, had a big part in his like wardrobe decisions. right? Yeah, I've heard this before that he's um, especially in P.T. Anderson films that he was allowed to choose what to wear. I don't know because, like you said, he met him on the first day here, but he's in that like button-up shirt, but under it it's like that tacky, it's like a tacky graphic t-shirt with it kind of looks like when i went to vegas with you like i think like three of us ended up getting these like uh like the old strip uh vegas what is that oh yeah downtown vegas downtown vegas like with the cowboy and everything but then there's like lightning in it and there's definitely (laughs) just like lightning on the shirt so i'm curious i mean i'm sure they still made made those t-shirts back then oh yeah those are timeless and not in a good way no (laughs) no those are like the tacky he's wearing like a tacky tourist shirt yeah of course yeah tacky tourist shirt but he's got his hair slicked back like, yeah, he's, he's like said. i said he the dusty like, hair you know he looks like a grimy just yeah he just looks like a guy that like has probably like a shit job and he just doesn't have much as probably doesn't have like a woman in his life and it's just, <laughs> i just don't like nothing against i hope we have fans everywhere and maybe in reno too or whatever or <laughs> there's off fans in reno but Reno just never to me seemed like a place that I really wanted to go to. I don't know. I've heard nice things. Uh, eh, <laughs> all right. But just definitely like this. It just doesn't. I don't know. As far as gambling, I just don't think too many great things probably happen in general. And this is I, this is a PSA, Kyle. This is <laughs> don't gamble from Kyle. P- PSH. PSA. Yeah, that was hard to do. But. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he just, I, I mean, this is a man that throughout his career, he's had some memorable lines. And like you said, we have one in our, you know, intro to the podcast from this movie. But I mean, I just love it. It just starts out with, I don't wait for old people. Yeah. I don't wait for old people. Like, <laughs> like I mean, I, 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 I love it all. Like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to light the cigarette. I'm going to light the cigarette. And it's, it's so fun. Yeah. That's what it is. It's you can so buy a fun. new suit. Like, he just, ah, he just, everything about this character. And I love it. And the character doesn't even have a name. No. What is, what is his name in the, in the, what is, what is he listed in IMDb as? Craps player. Craps player. <laughs> One of his greater roles. Craps, Craps player. player. I should have quizzed you on that earlier, but it was too obvious. <laughs> it's it's funny. I mean, it's it's witty. It's interesting. It, do I want to know this guy? No, but I feel like I know this guy. No, maybe well, not bef- personally. I've seen this. So guy, before though. I said like Samuel Jackson is like the opposite, the antithesis of the opposite of Sydney. This character might be. Too. Like in a different realm, he's definitely not. He's 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 harmless. Because Sydney's smooth. Sydney has all the answers. Sydney is yeah. The way he talks, he only speaks when he needs to speak. Mm-hmm. Phil Schumer, craps player, I guess I'll call him. Yeah, is the opposite. 
Yeah. He just says too much. Well, again, and he goes from <laughs> he's playing this character that is playing a character. <laughs> and you see like him at the end of that scene just get like, you know, when he rolls so when he rolls a uh, a soft 8 instead of the hard 8. So I get easy get, 8, right? Yeah, easy 8. Yeah, and I love it. he just keeps 44. 44. And like, he's, he's hold, I'm like, 44, and he's holding the, you know, the four and the four or whatever. But I just love that he gets all like quiet after that, and he's like, oh, you know, like, let me buy you a drink. You know, he just... He's he, defeated, but... Defeated, but, I mean, I don't know. You guys could be listening to us and be like, wow, these guys are really reading into this. No, like, this is, this is a definitive role to me. Okay, me. if you're listening to us and you're saying... Wow, these guys are really, you know, overanalyzing this. Why are you listening to a Philip Seymour Hoffman podcast? Very fast. <laughs> we are dissecting his one scene in the film. Cut us some slack. We enjoyed it. I watched the scene over and over again. Yeah, we're we're. It's fun. It's yeah. fun. It's awesome. I love this scene. I do. Because it's someone he, uh, he always plays real characters, and this is as real as they come. Oh yeah, again. I, I, this is. You've a, been to, how many times have you been to Vegas? Again, you're going to make me sound like a degenerate gambler, but I've been more than I can count on one hand. No, but you go for the buffets. I do go for the buffets. I'm a degenerate eater, you could say. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I've been to, and I've seen this guy in Vegas. Yeah, and I've I've seen this guy in Atlantic City. I've been to Atlantic City more times than I'd like to admit. (laughs) (laughs) That's true, too. This is a guy that you've seen, that you've heard, just like across the ways. (laughs) <laughs> absolutely absolutely i love it maybe this is why i don't play craps because <laughs> more I, interaction with a guy like this i feel like if we were in a uh an area where there was more table gambling like readily accessible you didn't have to drive down to atlantic city after watching the scene you'd play craps tonight oh yeah maybe 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 oh, a little i was bit just of about to say you. next time i go yeah. to a casino i'm gonna totally be like shakalaka-doo yeah. shakalaka-dooby-doo <laughs> <laughs> It's fun, and I, I will, I will like Philip Baker Hall, watch you from aside. Yeah, and just and just like disgust and disgust. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the best way to put it. Unfortunately, we do have to move on in this film. Not that it's a bad film, but no, I mean that's that that's the end of uh, PSH. He didn't. He didn't. You know, help Sydney out with his. Uh, you know, Sydney put two thousand dollars down on this bet. No, that was, I don't know if we mentioned that. It's kind of important. He puts. $2, yeah, $2, but down. I feel like Sydney's a guy. He he's a career gambler. Some days he's gonna lose two thousand. Some days he's gonna win five thousand. It's. Just, oh yeah, and he knows that. That's like one of his earlier things. Like he expresses to John, it's just like that. It's not a guarantee. No. If he would, if he was winning all day, every time he'd be a billionaire. You know. Mm-hmm. Just you just gotta win most of the time. And again, I uh, I last thing about this scene is that I love it because it's. Pro- is it fair to say this is like besides the quick little flashback to John in the matchbook catching fire in his pocket? This is like the lightest moment of the movie. Yeah, because it certainly turns dark. Because right after this, boy, does it turn dark, and dark this fast is where goes downhill. things take a turn for the worse. Yeah. So what? Sid's passed out in his bed, right? And mm-hmm. we find out that John screwed up. Yeah, uh, John calls and he needs <laughs> he needs help. Yes, he needs help. Sid shows up, and one, he's holding a guy hostage. Mm-hmm. Two, we find out that John pimps his girlfriend Clementine out. Not his girlfriend, his newlywed wife. Oh, yeah, good point. <laughs> they decide to elope. 
Yeah, they get married. Oh, but it's okay. They do a beautiful thing of filming it and giving it to Sydney, so yeah. he has a little memento. <laughs> like they're just a bunch of dysfunctional oh, people. Oh yeah. And not only so they're got this guy tied up, but now they're also gonna hold him hostage for money. Yes, on their wedding night. Yeah, the guy owes her three hundred bucks. And it wasn't like their plan was to hold him hostage and like get money. No, it's like on their wedding night, John pimps Clementine out. Yeah. And it looks like this guy's not gonna pay. Yeah. So they go too far, they beat him to a bloody pulp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, the, Sydney comes in. He thinks like this guy is dead at first, <sighs> reasonably so, and. This, I mean, again, it just, it, this is just like the dive. I mean, Boogie Nights has like its moment of like where everyone's at their <laughs> low. This is just really where like everyone's kind of like getting to their low. And Clementine like doesn't want to leave. She's being really hard. Like, John gets talked over by Sydney. Like, you know, because Sydney in the end of the day is kind of like, like almost like a guardian angel to a lot of people. And, John starts listening. Especially John. Yeah, especially John. And John starts, you know, heeding the words of Sydney, but Clementine is not listening. John ends up hitting her. Yeah, so... so Which really feels out of place. So, yeah, it kind of does. Sid is basically, like, telling him, just, you know, Leave let, him. let him go with yeah. 300 bucks. That's your best shot of getting out of this, and, like, hit the road, you know? You know what he kind of reminded me of? He reminded me of Harvey Keitel's... Like, in this scene, Harvey Keitel's character from Pulp Fiction. That's like, fair. Coming in and just being like, who'd you tell? Like, let's get this, like, stuff, like, settled the, away. Believe it or not, these are similar films. I know, like, way different in, like, style oh, yeah. and no, stuff. I, but, you know. I definitely think, like, I mean, supposedly uh, P.T. Anderson wrote this film in, like, two weeks or whatever. But I just have a feeling that, like, definitely film, I mean, film like Reservoir Dogs and then definitely Pulp Fiction again came out in 94 so I think it probably had some really strong influence on it now P.T. Anderson today is w- a way different filmmaker than Quentin Tarantino yes I but think I think his overall films are stronger at the time more masterful at the time though I think you know he, I don't know if he'll admit it but he's kind of taken some influence from Pulp Fiction here oh yeah, yeah. not in the way the story spreads so much but at least in this it's a single arc story, really. Well, this is just when, like, those crime genres, like, came back into, like, popularity. Yeah. In this small, independent film culture. I mean, we had it with, I mean, The Getaway was in this. We talked about it then, too. True. Again, very different as well. Like, oh, yeah. So much less stylized, but... So I guess, hey, we were just saying before, PT, Phil Sinerhoffen, we don't even remember our film we covered when we were saying a, <laughs> okay, a good film point. like this that he's in. Because he was just, I mean... And it, it, it was pro- forgettable. Yeah. So like you said, Kyle, Clementine won't leave, but he, he kind of convinces Clementine to leave, but then they find out that they freaking told the wife about this. Yeah. Because so, oh, they just, called the wife for money. This is, there's so many like botched jobs here. Yeah, and then also he got the... John has a gun, and he got it from Jimmy. Uh, it just, it's, it's like... You know, like those moments yeah. you're like, oh, why are you doing this? You're such an idiot, John C. Riley. The one little part of this like dark scene that I laughed at is like, where'd you get the handcuffs? And Clementine just kind of goes like, they were mine. Yeah. Just like, this, like, what do you think I had? I'm like, what do you think they're for? I <laughs> laughed when they're leaving. Sid convinces Clementine eventually to leave. Like she listens to his, his wisdom. Mm-hmm. And I like how she asks, like I, I laughed how she asked to feed uh, her, her cats. Yeah. That she just got cats and she needs them fed. This is where like, he gets the wedding video, too. 
Yeah, the lovely, you know, like, <laughs> gesture of uh, having it filmed or whatever. So, so, so Sid's gonna, he says he's gonna give them as much money as they need. He's just like, where do you want to go? And they're like, they're deciding like where their honeymoon should be. Yeah. Like, it's hilarious. Yeah, so I love it. Uh, this, and this is like, again, so this is a moment again, you know, because it's dark and then they cut to, they have like these light little moments. So this is why I think like the beginning of the film is like strong. I just wanted to keep having this like downhill, like, you know, the moment, this yeah. film. But he's just like, you know, go to Niagara Falls. And uh, he's just like, no. And John says, I don't want to go to Niagara Falls. Why not Niagara Falls? He's like, because I've been there before. <laughs> like, it's just. Come on. I know, like in this, like just get out of town. Yeah. You know, and like, but John C. Grey is great at that. Oh yeah, he just like, has, oh, come on, kind of yeah. like I don't want to go. Yeah. <laughs> John and Clem hop in the car, and head to Niagara Falls. Yeah, like. they, you know, he says to her, "Do you want to get an old?" And she said, "No, like she won't. They won't fuck up anymore." In their own weird way, they have like this love story, right? Yeah, like, it's the weirdest love story ever. Like pimping out his wife mm-hmm. on the wedding night, and just something's missing <laughs> here. Well, I, again, I feel like in this two and a half hour movie, like this cut that exists out there somewhere, or was you know seen by a bunch of French people at some point, there was more to their characters. But pretty much, then they go on the back burner for the rest of this film. Yeah, which is an interesting choice. There is this nice moment where Sidney watches the tape and he's like watching his adoptive children have this like this beautiful moment, but then he gets a call from Jimmy and and then he goes and he meets Jimmy in his car. Yeah, I mean the whole Jimmy arc here is is interesting. Well, first of all, how, I, we'll go into it. But how do you feel about it? Like, are you? I mean, I think the character is a great character. Just like like the whole reveal here and like what it's happened. It's pretty sloppy. I tend to agree. I wrote the same thing. I'm glad we're on the same page here. Like there's really fun stuff. Like Jimmy asks Sydney not to smoke in his car. And then what does he do right after? He lights up his own I, cigarette. I'll say this. I like the dialogue and the back and forth. I'm yeah. not so cool with like what's happening. No, but then the overall, again, like the story we find out. So the big thing we find out is that Jimmy knows about AC and we're like, what, what happened in AC? And he put... You shot his father, like you shot John's father. What? Yeah, yeah. So the plus of this, I, I do. I guess we understand now why in that opening scene he decided to take John under his wing. For whatever reason, he shot his father. Probably like so. But I'm confused by this timeline because he wants to have a funeral for his mom. That that that's what tripped me. Should did it he be kill like... the entire family? <laughs> I'm just like... Well, his mom's in Vegas, so I'm, I'm not understanding. I don't follow that. Maybe we don't need to know. Yeah. I guess the point is that Sydney just feels like he owes John. Oh yeah, no, I get that aspect. Like that of he it, needs to be a father in his life. Main like what ends up being like a huge like story crux of this film. Yeah, I mean it's short, but it's important. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jimmy's now extorting Sid because he says he's gonna tell John. And Sid's gotten to the point with John that, again, like you said, he feels like he's a father figure, and he knows that would just destroy their relationship. Yeah. No way, like, is, is is John processing that well and it being okay, you know? Yeah. I mean, you never know with him the way he lives his life, but it's just not worth the risk. And basically, he doesn't want his secret out. Yeah, like, because John has become... I don't know why he stopped 
talk Sydney stopped talking to his like biological children, but John is clearly like his son now. Yeah. And not only did he end up helping, like maybe he thought he like he was just gonna have this one time like help gesture with John with the whole like teach him like how to do stuff, but they clearly, you know, that's why they, it was important to have that cut to two years later because sometimes those moments are weak, but we definitely get right away that they spent a lot of time together yeah. during those two years. And he took he, him under his wing. Yeah, and he loves. I mean, he loves him. Now, I like I like Sam Jackson's well, Jimmy's line here when he says, "No matter how hard you try, you're not his father." Mm. You know, and that's that. Yeah. Like, no, there's some great. Um, I mean, like I, I like I said, I like the dialogue. Yeah. Premise. I think it probably comes down to like this. I mean, hey, P.T. Anderson, he made this edit, so. Yeah, and again, for a first time. Oh, no. I mean, First-time film, this is masterful. This is, this is a great film. I'm just being... I'm speaking. No, we're nitpicking. That's what we're here to do. Yeah. Sydney gives Jimmy the money, and then Sydney decides to call John and... T- and it's not know, that much money, either. I didn't write the amount down. 10000 10000 which, again, is a lot of money, but I feel like... Yeah, but he, he even it. says, like, I don't even have that. He gives him 6000 or something like that. I think it's also a pride thing, too. Yeah. You don't want to be extorted by this chump. A guy he clearly doesn't respect. Yeah. Oh, John actually... I think John calls Sydney. If Sydney tells him that he, you know, that he loves him. They have a really emotional phone call. And that really, like, hits home, like, how much he cares about him. He tells him, like you said, he tells him he loves him. And he's... You kind of see where this is going a little bit. Like, that, you know, there's no way he would have let that secret out. And even if you give Jimmy, Sam Jackson's character, the $10,000, you don't know if he's going to really shut his mouth. And hey, what is Sydney kind of... This is where, like, also I'm like, wow. Like, Sydney, he was, to quote Philip Seymour Hoffman, old-timer. <laughs> he's got his, uh, you know, he had his rules, and he has, like, his way he lives his life. But then, besides finding out, we don't know why he killed John's father, but... This next scene, boy, we see like that he's just like very. So I feel like right to the point. I like this, but I, it was interesting because it's one of those cut scenes where you see, so Jimmy's coming home with this girl. Yeah, we see that Jimmy is like, you know, now that he's like in the money, I guess, yeah. with his six thousand dollars, and he's got his like fly suit on. Yeah. That uh, yeah, he's coming home with a woman he met when he was playing some craps himself. We're also kind of seeing scenes of John. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, is he going to kill John? Because there's two ways out of this secret, right? Yeah. There's to kill Jimmy or to kill John. You know he's going to kill someone here. It's setting it up that way. Mm-hmm. But he kills Jimmy. Yeah, he breaks in. He's just sitting in the chair, shoots Jimmy, and tells like the woman to go, which is Oof. pretty badass. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think it's the right choice that he, in this guy's world, where like you can do that. He kills Jimmy. He gets his money back, which I like. Because Sam Jackson's just, like, flaunting the money, mm-hmm. just throwing it around, right? Gets his money back, and we kind of end there. Yeah, and we, well, then the last thing is then he goes to the diner. They do go back to the same diner. Yeah, and I just love it. It's just like this, you know, she comes up, you know, pours him a coffee or asks him, or asks him what he wants. He wants a cup of coffee, and then he just notices, like, a little blood on his white shirt and kind of just, like, you know pulls up his jacket sleeve to cover it up. Yeah, I really liked that. That was yeah. cool. That put a nice bow on the film. Mm-hmm. So, again, this is a really important thing, and that's um, I wish I could see this original cut that existed, because 
the guy that was kidnapped that you know wasn't going to pay Clementine. Oh, the guy they yeah okay on the wedding night yeah. He ends up coming and shooting Philip Baker Hall and killing him and killing him yeah really outside of the diner yeah what yeah that's interesting that's a whole different film wow and like we would talk about so much more because there's uh, Jimmy Samuel Jackson and. Philip Baker Hall's character, Sidney, they have this little brief discussion in the car, like, mm-hmm. oh, there's no way that guy's coming after. They yeah. kind of call him, like, a coward or something. No, that's the whole thing. So I think that it was Jimmy's character tells him, so that's kind of like, you think that after Jimmy gets killed, that it's just like, okay, Philip Baker Hall, every, everyone's, you know... Yeah, everyone's in the clear, because to be clear, like, this character that's kidnapped kind of just runs away, and the... What they say is that he's too embarrassed, really, to like tell his wife or tell other people, so they kind of let it go. If he killed Sydney at the end, that adds a whole new like wrinkle. That's kind of cool, actually. Yeah. Now that like we discuss it and talk about it, that's interesting. But I mean, I guess you know they they made P.T. Anderson cut it, and maybe it wouldn't have worked. Who knows? Hmm. Of all of Philip Seymour Hoffman movies that we've seen so far, this one feels the most modern. Again, of the ones we've seen. Come on, man. Twister and that CGI? <laughs> <laughs> no, and Twister is, is blockbuster style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This feels more like an artsy, but mm-hmm. not like the first Amos Poe film artsy. P.T. Anderson could make this today, and it would be... Yeah, and maybe because we've given him more... We, like like me and you did. No, but like the, the audiences and studios have given him more leeway, mm-hmm. and he could basically make any film he wants now, and more people of maybe that generation like Tarantino could do anything he wants now and stuff but back then movies like Pulp Fiction or Heart Eight and I'm trying to think of some others off the top of my head were not what you would normally see in the theater I would say 75% to 90% of the films were more like The Getaway or When a Man Loves a Woman or Mm -hmm. they had that kind of I don't know quality to them even even, um, Scent of a Woman which is an Oscar film really right like, still feels like it's, like, an early 90s kind of popcorn-y thing. I think, honestly, it comes down to, like, the almost, like, the sappiness of the relationships of that movie. That, in, that, those, in those movies. That's valid. This has some very simple love of, like, a father and son, or, you know, like, kind of relationship in this movie. Like, that's, like, the... Lo- it's not like Phil Baker Hall has a romantic relationship. I, maybe this era, and again, we're not, like... We're not... We never call ourselves film experts here. We're film fans. Yeah. Maybe we know more than the average person out there, but we're not like highbrow film professors here. We see something that I think we see in like the seventies, with like the, that dark uh, Scorsese era, like the Palma stuff. Mm-hmm. But then Jaws brings in the blockbusters, and obviously Twister is more of a blockbuster. Yeah. This is definitely not a blockbuster, and even though Pulp Fiction makes a lot of money, that's not a blockbuster in that traditional yeah. sense. And I think we're moving more to, at least in this era, this kind of film. I think what you said, like, P.T. Anderson can make this film now, probably would be a little bit different because he has a little bit more leeway, but we would get this, like, it feels like a film that could be made now. Yeah. His last feature film is Inherent Vice. That's like a crime movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, we keep, like... (laughs) But it's, like, but it's over the top, so you kind of see, like, now that he has, like... 
you know, like a kid in a candy shop and he can do whatever he wants, like how much bigger, I mean, it comes from, I mean, that's like a crazy book, obviously, mm, true, true. but like there will be blood is kind of like, it's small and intimate, like as far as like, not as big of like, it's big visually, but it's yeah. intimate story wise. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you're a P.T. Anderson fan. Anything else you want to add with Hard Eight, or especially with Philip Seymour Hoffman? Anything cool you found out? Well, right when Philip Seymour Hoffman passed away, Philip Baker Hall was interviewed by Rolling Stone magazine, and he just had some you know, nice words to say about the young actor. Philip and I had a working relationship with the P.T. Anderson movies, and my regard for him both as an artist and a man couldn't be higher. He was a great artist and an amazing actor. As a man, I found his generosity and purity of spirit was absolutely remarkable. Yeah, those are nice words. I mean, look, Philip Baker Hall, like, I mean, he's not even a known name now. Mm-hmm. But when you see his face, you know him. Yeah. Back then, he certainly, uh, I don't think he was a known name either, but he's still a great get for P.T. Anderson here. Mm-hmm. He he talked about it in the interview because you're right. I did read this one as well. He talked about how just how much he admired a kid who just walked onto set and just improvised, and he could tell like just he he knew what he was doing, and he had the courage about this, and he had the yeah. He was really like in a good way taken back by both P.T. Anderson and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, essentially two kids. Yeah, that like and. P.T. Anderson was even younger than Philip Seymour yeah. Hoffman. I think P.T. Anderson was like 23 when he made this movie. crazy. I know, which just makes me like jealous. Yeah. <laughs> How unaccomplished does that make you feel? Oh, whatever. Well, we got a podcast. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I mean, he was just really impressed by both these guys, but especially by Philip Seymour Hoffman sharing that scene with him. And... Uh, I don't yeah. think they share. They don't share words together in Boogie Nights. No, but I'm sure they're on the same set, though. Yeah. There. But I mean, in this, like, he's good. I, Philip Baker Hall says in this interview, if I remember correctly, like how he again he was impressed that he just went toe to toe with him like a veteran actor, and he wasn't intimidated. Mm-hmm. And maybe he wasn't even side, but he certainly didn't show it. Yeah, I mean, it's just I love this scene, and people. Like, I'm. We're, we'll definitely. Uh, you know, we have it posted on our. Uh, you know, Facebook page, so check it out. Yeah, yeah, watch this scene, check it out. Um, let us know what you think. We're, we have a treat because we have back to back P.T. Anderson films. Mm-hmm. Next week we have Boogie Nights, one, one of, of my your favorites. Favorite right? films of all time. And I'm so excited. From talking to all you guys and talking to our guests, it, it's definitely a film a lot of people recognize him from, a lot of uh, favorite films, and we're super excited to be a. Uh, discussing that one yeah it's just definitely it's an incredibly it's what i mean it's one of the better made films of all time like it's definitely it's on lists from afi imdb just like just critics all around boogie nights and it what it it is the role that philip singer hoffman just became really recognized by critics audiences directors other actors yeah, definitely really looking forward to talking about Boogie Nights and like uh, soundtrack, <laughs> just visuals. Yeah, definitely tune in next week, people. Cast. Oh, yes. All right, so that's this week's podcast. Like, share, subscribe. Thanks, guys, and we'll see you at the craps table. <laughs>